Hi, everyone. You're listening to In the Open, a podcast by Mental Health America, where we talk all things mental health related. Hey, everybody, welcome back. This is going to be our final podcast in the series of exploring negative thinking. So this one today, America and I are here, is gonna is called Can You Stop Negative Thinking? You know, what I think about immediately is the fact that when we started this series around common intrusive thoughts, the conversation between you and I was like, uh, I didn't even really know I had common intrusive thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> you remember? Yeah. So now that we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks, I think back to that and I'm just like, I wasn't aware of how one intrusive these thoughts are on a daily and how difficult it can be to stop them. So that's where this question comes up. Like, can you really stop this negative thinking, these common intrusive thoughts? And my gut reaction is like, no, but then. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you have to say, okay, so we've explored a lot. Which ones were you, are you really wrestling with? I'm kind of wrestling with all of it, not, not not any one thought specifically. It's just how hard it is for for us. I'm going to say for me, for me to just function and be like, okay, you're you're starting down that path again. Stop it. Uh-huh. And any one of the any one of the thoughts that we talked about, right? Oh no, it's like the spiral. Yeah, I yeah. know this space like. There's some part of of life that feels you're almost grateful for being naive to what's happening yeah. in your brain, but I've peeled back the onion for you. <laughs> so now it's the spiral yeah. and you're just like, it's all in there. Yeah. that's And that's the hard part. Like I, I was having a conversation last night and one, without any words, I was just sitting there and my fiance was like, what's happening in your brain? And I was like... <laughs> like a glitch (laughs) so um i was just like i can't even articulate it because it's so overwhelming overwhelming messy messy yeah and like a web you know everything is connected yes well i have to ask though because i've been struggling with negative thoughts for a long time but I know that some of the thoughts you were having, even if you weren't aware of them, they were kind of messing with your life and your relationships. Now that you're aware of them, would you ever choose to go back? Back to not knowing? Yeah. Immediate answer is no. But there's like a little inkling that's like, you could actually just fiend that you know nothing. Um, but I mean, I know it's, it's good to be aware of them so that once you're aware of them, you can then do something about it. Right. Like, yeah. I get that whole point. It's just, oh man, now I got to put it into practice. Well, why wouldn't you go back? Because even if I'm, if I was functioning from a place of not knowing and you know, you could call it being naive or unaware, the situations that I encountered were being encountered again and again in very similar situations because I wasn't aware. Mm-hmm. So for me to to stop any situation that I may be discontent about or uncomfortable with, now I have the map that's like, oh, you could have gone this other direction. 
Right. And so yeah. I'm like, okay, I, I got to put it to use. I feel like our brain protected us in those spaces. Like what you call being naive or unaware. I feel like I, I, I call that operating on my primitive brain. Mm-hmm. Like my brain was protecting me and the easiest path forward was it's like, boop, boop, boop. Let me just code everything as dangerous or code everyone as horrible and avoid all things and blame yourself for everything because it feels easier than trying to make sense of how other people hurt you (laughs) and and why they would hurt you, you know, like it's easier to just be like, oh, well, you must be a bad person. So that's why, you know, because I think it is hard to live in a more complicated, unanswerable world. Yeah. But that complicated, more unanswerable world is more truth-based whereas I feel like those automatic thoughts that we have they're just too simple like it's it leads to anger and resentment and isolation and sadness it's like it can feel good in the moment because anger can feel good or even sadness can feel good but it's not really healthy (laughs) no it's not it's not healthy in the long term I'm sure you know this being that not only have you actually taught this stuff but what what I keep coming back to is, you know, when, when you're um, psych 101, they're like, we all develop schemas. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, okay, when a child first encounters a dog, they're like, oh, this thing is fluffy. And, you know, it looks like this. It has four legs. It's called a dog, right? Yeah. And so every time you then, the child sees a fluffy thing with four legs. It's like, dog. And it's like, actually, no, it's a cat, right? Uh, and that's where my thoughts go around these kinds of intrusive thoughts where automatically we're like, exactly what you're saying, it, whether they're protection or not, they're, something within us has been like, okay, I am going to make all of these situations similarly in these tiny little boxes because it is easier for me to manage them, to move them around, to do whatever with. But then when you open the box, you're like, oh, the crap is tumbling out. Yeah. For me, like, I feel like I have to unpack that box. Yeah. Figure out what's worthy of being kept. Or the rest just like tossing it, moving it aside and not dealing with it anymore so that you can get better. Unpacking the box also, even though it's hard to do that and to say, well, let me try to understand myself. Where did this scheme I get developed in my past yeah. and how do I work through this in a better way? I have been or I've known people who when they haven't done that work, we often joke about how we have that angry monster inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. As I've gotten to the place where I protect myself more, I I find that I don't – it's harder for me to hang out with people who haven't done that work because I don't feel like they're safe. They just – they come at me. They – maybe this is my new protective skill <laughs> where I'm just like, oh my gosh. Like I don't want to be that person either that I was before wh- where I was being emotionally reactive. You know what I mean? Like we talk about mm-hmm. the anger monster – being emotionally reactive is exhausting in and of itself. Yes, it is. Then being around others who are emotionally reactive, meaning like you say something that triggers them and then they explode at you with these real big feelings. It's like now I have a toddler. I have to deal with their big feelings. Like it's hard to deal with adults who have really big emotional reactions that seem out of nowhere. And yeah, it's exhausting. And it's exhausting to also deal with my own. So. 
I can't control anyone else. I can only control myself. Dude, you know how many times I've said that within like the last three weeks? You can only control your response to this situation. But what you're talking about is is really how interconnected all of this is, right? Because when, when you start unpacking the box, let's say around an emotional issue that you may have with your partner or with a loved one, yeah, it spills out into other parts of your life just because you then start understanding like, oh, me reacting in this way here is also why I react this way here. And it has nothing to do with, you know, the environment, ones at work, ones at home, ones with friends, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But the common denominator is you. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for you that you're making those connections? Like what helps you realize, oh, I'm having a moment? The feeling of unease that I feel around like shutting my mouth, like shut up, Mm. shut up. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to say something. And then trying my hardest to like in that moment be like, you could, you could say this, you could say this. And it's like, no, find the one thing that is not going to make you upset. And the other person hears you the way that you need to be heard. Dude, it, it, I, I hate using this, but it's a practice. But I, I hear myself say it. And at the same time, I'm like, you suck. Keep telling, keep telling yourself that. Yeah, to practice. Yeah, I know it's a practice. You know, like it irks <laughs> the hell out of me. There are layers to what you said too. You're like something happened. I have some feeling where I compe- I'm compelled to say something. So you describe the steps of emotional reaction. But I love how you said, I get to a point where I'm like, do not stop talking. Like, do not speak words, <laughs> because that is the step where you're about to do something as a reaction to your negative thought that you know is just going to make things so much worse. But when you're in that heightened state of anger or anxiety, that feeling that you have, it's so hard. It is one of the hardest things. Yes. Yeah. Cause you're trying to defend yourself too, right? Defend yourself in your negative thoughts and against this person who you are interpreting what they're saying and what they're doing as an attack towards you, which it can, or it can't be. It's even a process to say, okay, what of what they're saying is what they're <laughs> truly saying versus what are they trying to say? <laughs> <laughs> Let me try and have empathy for there. And it's yeah. just, this is why fights are the worst. There's another piece to it too. Like sometimes I feel, um, so let's say like if uh, in that moment, I'm like, okay, don't say anything. Right. And this, this, um, this little troll is like, you have the right to say anything you want. Mm. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you should share every emotion that's coming out. I will, I'll do what I want. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, stop it. Or my voice in my head is, I'm right. I'm right. I should get to say it because I'm the one that's right. And you're like, yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. That piece of trying to control that troll and you trying to do better, right? Yeah. Is consistently at odds. They're at odds with one another. Yeah. So I think it's interesting, though, in therapy, the process, the goal is not to just teach you how to process all the time. I think there's a lot of understanding that we cannot process unless you have space. So a lot of teaching people how to have healthier relationships is, you know, we grew up with this idea that you're supposed to like not go to bed angry or not take a break because it signifies something like you're giving up and that's not necessarily true there's a there's a long 
There are a lot of things that happen before you fully give up on a relationship and saying, you know what, right now we're so angry. We're not listening to each other. And like sometimes in the height of when my husband and I had bad things, we had to just like have a word because you couldn't say all those things. You couldn't say, I think we need a break or it's just like break time, (laughs) break time, run, get out of here. We couldn't say get out of here because that would trigger someone too. You know, it's like we need a break five minutes. I need to step away because I can't. The more I'm engaging with that person in the moment, the more I'm 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 just feeding into the the moment in a way that's not healthy. So you, you need time. And that's the first thing you need in order to stop and assess the negative thinking patterns. Because you can't do it in a heightened state of argument. I think though what you were you were asking about earlier, like how it how it bleeds into I'm not bleeds, but how it um, extends into other parts of your life is in this way. Like, mm. if you and your husband are having an argument, right, and it most often, and this is from couples therapy, right, the arguments that you have are very similar to the ones you had last week and the week before because they mm-hmm. they continue to be unresolved in some way, right, um, and. Similarly, in other parts of our life, we may experience aspects of that, right? Where maybe at work, we're not getting what we need. We're not being heard in the same way. And so it's very different because I may not be able to vocalize to my boss or something or to my colleague, be like, oh, you frustrate the hell out of me, you know? Oh, yes. So then you, that that work that has to happen is is solely on you to manage like what you can do in that space. Yeah. And it's still hard on you, right? It's still hard on you to to really work through it because you you can't. You you're limited in the way that you can then go out into the world and share that. You reminded me of a practice I I learned and I use a lot. It's a worksheet from nonviolent communication. Mhm. The practice says, okay, when I'm feeling these moments, I'm supposed to say, what happened? Like, what is the action that happened that made me feel a certain way? Then what is the feeling that I really feel? And if you do this and you get better at this, it doesn't just start with anger. It's like, okay, well, I'm mad, but why am I mad? I feel unsafe. I feel insecure. I think the biggest trick about the feelings word is it actually forces you to slow down because human beings have a horrible feeling vocabulary. So right. we just don't know what the feelings we are are. And that gives me like the it gives me the 5 seconds to just take to take a breath and say, "Okay, I'm going to focus on me." And then what you just said about needs, what do I need? That's the last thing you have to think about. And the need is what can change that I can change or that person can change to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. And dude, every time I got upset, I had to do this. What happened? What do you feel? What do you need? Happened, feels, needs. And in some ways, I think that was a mental training. Yeah, it's very interesting to use that um, with this frame, right? Like if if you can stop negative thoughts, it's like you can. I, I've I've been... I should get a gold star for this because I have. I've literally (laughs) stopped and I'm like, no. And then, of course, inevitably it kind of comes back, right? Like in other situations. But if you use what you're saying, like what happened? What happened? What what do you feel? What do you feel? What do you need? What do you need? The the immediate response is like, I don't need anything. (laughs) (laughs) Right? But then it's like, wait. 
<laughs> well, also, you have to start with what happens. I think that they knew that you had to start in that order again to build in time. Because when you're down the spiral of negative thinking, time changes. Everything happens at the same time, all at one time. Mm-hmm. And it moves very fast. And what your brain is doing is it's processing a ton of information about how you're attacked and how you're bad. or And it can feel out of control, which is why in those moments we tend to have anxiety attacks or panic attacks. And what, you, okay. and what people who are like in mindfulness practice teach us is how do we slow down this process so that we can think with control instead of thinking out of control. Oh, I like that. Say that again, Teresa. (laughs) Thinking with control, I have control over my thoughts versus being out of control and having my thoughts control me. And I I do think that that's what it feels like when you don't engage with your negative thinking, then your negative thinking just controls you. Mm -hmm. Instead of you understanding where it comes from and, and, and being able to control it. And this is, to me foundational to recovering from mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Like outside of whatever medication that I'm taking to help me otherwise stabilize my life, I don't think that you can just take medications and things go away, especially if you've lived with trauma. You have to work through those processes because it's an additional thing that you're working against yourself if you don't, if you just have the thoughts and you're not attending to them. The the question that comes to mind is, how do I know when I've gotten better? So in our discussions of stopping negative thoughts, outside of feeling out of control, the other thing I think we really explored is where our negative thoughts come from. That's like deep work, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I can stop my behaviors in the moment, but until I do deep work, until I you talked about opening up that box, the things I put in a box and I put on my shelf and I didn't I wanted to avoid. I know I'm better because I'm at peace. I feel less tension. I've carried around those boxes. I've, I've, I, and I finally let them go. I kind of opened them up and said, "I don't, I don't want this on my shelf anymore. I don't want to carry that kind of pain, and I don't want to be so reactive to that pain because it weighs me down." So, along with feeling more at peace, I also have less pain in my neck and my back. In the three years working with you, it's like I used to have a lot of pain and I still do, but I feel like it's a different kind of pain. Truly, I can work out my knots differently probably because I literally am carrying less weight. I I like how the the progression that you've experienced, because that's what it is. It's a progression, right? Um, it's very evident to you. For me, with my my way of thinking and personality, whatever. Sometimes it's hard for me to be able to like say I've checked the box because in my mind, if I haven't checked the box, it's not done yet. Mm. So that gets to this reframing that really needs to happen because for me, this is not something that I can check the box and be like, okay, you've now gotten an A plus on understanding common intrusive thoughts and you're never going to have them again. I would postulate someone something different. Okay. I feel like I would postulate that you and I just started the series and you said you started thinking you had no intrusive thoughts 
in a matter of five weeks, you're, you realize you did. So you're still at the beginning stage. Okay. I feel like in six months, you're going to look back and you're, you may say things like, wow, I'm less angry. I'm getting into less fights. I feel more confident in myself. I feel like I can know who I am. I can relax. We talked about that, right? I can relax at home and not feel the pressure of needing to get things done on all my checkboxes. The fact that you were like, oh, well, I now need a mental checkbox of my mental processes so I can have stars. (laughs) You know what, though? (laughs) I just had like a minor epiphany because that's another common intrusive thought, right? It's the all or nothing thinking. (laughs) Yeah. All or nothing that's bound to your, the one recording we did where, what was the negative thought that you have that, that I need everything to be this way. I need everything to be this way. Oh yeah. We've really come to understand how, how that particular way of thinking really it imprisons you, even though you feel free. You are so excited yeah. by it. It also imprisons you because you literally cannot sit down with your partner and watch a movie without feeling compelled to, I don't know what, do laundry? Yeah. <laughs> so you should be somewhere else. No, I, 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 I'm, I I'm really appreciate you. that. No, no, dude. <laughs> I need that, right? That need, That reframe to be like, okay, yeah. These are baby steps, yo. You cannot mm-hmm. jump this huge chasm mm-hmm. in a couple of weeks. Yeah. You it's, have to knowing it doesn't mean you're it's a switch. Like all of a sudden I knew it, so I'm fine. You live your whole life living this way, America. <laughs> it's gonna take time to undo these habits that we've built. And I'm not, I will say like, oh, I'm better today. Remember what, three years ago when we first started and I couldn't even say I love you without, I love myself without choking. Yeah, man. And I was like, oh, I'm working on loving myself. Like, oh my gosh, today I could be like, I love myself. And not only do I love myself, I feel strong enough to fight for myself. And that is amazing. I That's never, powerful. never thought that I would be in this place. And I was so scared to do this podcast with you because I was just like, I maybe one day I'll be able to listen to the podcast and not literally want to vomit, you know. But that was three years. That's that's great. I think um, I'm gonna I'm gonna walk away thinking about the fact that it is sometimes, man, not sometimes, most of the time is if if you have been listening, my brain just takes me in all kinds of directions. But this, this is like. No, you're you're working. That's where the practice comes in, right? You're working to do better. I think the note about practice is also about not a light switch because the trap you just fell in where you that you want to judge yourself because you weren't able to change because suddenly you have insight about this way that you are yeah. is a reminder that it's a process. It can't be a light switch and you have to remember to not judge yourself if you have bad days. And boy, you're going to have bad days. A lot of them, more bad days than good days. But when I look back six months or I look back three years, I can say I'm happier because I'm I'm in a better place. You know how Emily in one of the episodes talked about life she used this metaphor, like life is like a dance or something. Do you remember that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. In motivational interviewing, they talk about conversations as being dances. 
versus rustling. <laughs> but no, I don't. Emily, yeah, she had a very specific metaphor. But tell me what you remember and what is important. The idea that, you know, like you will modify, you will change, you will change your your speed based on different things. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're saying too, right? Like you may have a bad day. That doesn't mean that you weren't making progress. Right. You may bad you may have a couple of bad days, but then you're like, okay, again, it's up to you. You make that choice to say, I'm gonna try again. I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna learned everything that happened in the last three days and try to do better. And then on the fourth day, maybe, you know, the the reframing, the talking to somebody, whatever helps you get on a different path. Yeah. The hardest is like an episode, you know, because there's nothing like an episode of depression or psychosis or mania to. Yeah. Because it's also screws your brain in, in a way where it does feel like a horrible failure because you're taken back down so, so harshly, you know, but I do feel more confident today saying, all right, I survived a couple. I know what it feels like to be in the depths. I know what it feels like to get out of it. I know that it ends. And when you're having an episode, it's so much harder. The work is so much harder you're way down. It's exhausting. You're literally not able to think clearly. You're not in your right mind, right? Your mind is not working the way it should be when you're at your better place. And so if somebody is there, you know, yeah, um, know that, that it's, it's, you may ebb and flow, but also when you're in the bouts of some if physical illness or even a mental health episode, like these, these or a very hard stressor, if somebody died in your life and you're experiencing major grief or change or you had bad, bad news. Yeah. You know what um, is very, I'm going to say moving out of this conversation is the idea that when you think back we have we have definitely made progress in thinking about different aspects of our well-being and and our thought patterns and our behaviors that ultimately uh once you start recognizing that they are um problematic for you then you again then have a choice right like i can do something about this and try to not do X thing mm -hmm. or be like, eh, whatever. It ain't worth fixing, right? And you just Avoid. keep going. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but ultimately it ends up impacting everything that you're talking about, right? Like not only your health physically, like the weight that you feel and the emotional weight of stuff. But for me, it's it's very powerful to be able to just talk about these issues and have and have you on the other side, right? So you're yeah. like, okay, yeah. Um, let's think about this because normally in in our kind of day to day functioning, all of this is internal, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And then when once I'm able to vocalize it with you, then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, duh, I feel that way, and then that helps me feel better too, right? Totally. That's why friendship or therapy is good when you get into. Yeah, when you're sharing yeah. of yourself and and have someone who can bounce that back at you <laughs> with with non-judgment cuz I know that you don't judge me. Mm -hmm. I know that you care about me, so I can share it without the shame, which really helps. Yeah. As we close out the series, you know, 
I, I hope that folks take something away from the different episodes. It has really been eye-opening for me, and I, I'm i in a different place than when we started. So that's pretty cool. I'm more to come, you know? So yeah. much to unpack. This is the end of the year. Friends and family, we hope that you're doing well as we start another new year. Thanks for listening, y'all. As a reminder, you guys can always email us at podcast at mhanational.org with your ideas for new episodes, sharing your life with us because we're here. We're, we want to hear from you as well. Mm-hmm. So we look forward to uh, 2022. Yeah. Keep on fighting in the open. Thanks, guys. <laughs>